From the Ron McKeefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Byron Smith talks to us about what are your first actions to consider when taking over a performance department, the importance of creating a space where athletes feel comfortable to work in, and how understanding the history of the head sport coach and your strength conditioning department can help guide you through your transition onto a new team. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being a strength coach is difficult. And someone once said on our podcast, we pour so much into helping our athletes become better, but we forget who's pouring back into us to help us become better. Without a healthy mind, coaching on the floor, programming, and maintaining the juggling act that we call life can be difficult. The good news is the therapists at BetterHelp are here to help you. Therapy can be whatever we want it to be. Maybe you need the tools to help you keep motivated, or maybe you're feeling burnt out from long days in the weight room, or you just need someone to talk to. BetterHelp is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist at a time that works for you. We have a very busy schedule as a strength coach, and the last thing we need to do is be driving to an office and sitting in a waiting room. Simply log into your account and message or speak to your therapist from anywhere at a time that works for you. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. BetterHelp also assesses your needs and will match you with one of over 20,000 therapists in their network. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself and make your mind your best asset. We train to keep our bodies strong and resilient. Now it's time to invest in our mental health too. And as a special offer to Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 listeners, you can get 10% off your month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash chalk. That's betterhelp.com slash C-H-A-L-K. And thanks again for BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I am joined by Coach Spencer Bowersmith. He is currently the head strength and conditioning coach at Regis University. Prior to that, he was an assistant director of sports performance at Santa Clara University. He's also had stops at Redline Athletics, Palo Alto Unified School District, San Jose State, UC Berkeley, Lynbrook High School, Core Performance, Velocity Performance, Cal State East Bay, and Turn Pro Sports. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Definitely, and you've uh, quite the experience, and we'll we'll dive into that for sure. But can you tell me a little bit about your role at Regis University? Yeah, so uh, I'm the head strength and conditioning coach here at Regis. Um, we are relatively new and young uh, SNC department. Uh, the program has been around for about five years, but. I'm really the first full-time strength coach that they brought on. And I just have been here for about well, one semester now. So about August. So it's been busy, very busy. Definitely. And what I guess is your focus being there at Regis, you know, like you said, it's, 
it was kind of around for a few years, but you're the first like full-time, um, you're only a strength and conditioning coach and you're trying to build it up. What is your focus going into this first year? Well, really my first year, like actually I'll go by my first semester because I think you really got to hit the ground running when you take over department. And first thing I wanted to do was a know what I'm dealing with as far as who do I have to help me? Uh, so coming in, I realized it was going to be just myself and then two GAs. So I had no assistance, but luckily, uh, I had two GAs that were already here in place that, that started about a month before I did. And they're excellent. They're really good guys. Uh, they work really hard and without them, I wouldn't be able to do it. So knowing that, knowing that it was myself and two GAs, I kind of had to figure out how we wanted to run the department and kind of go from there and start. So first thing I did was the number one goal has to be to get every single team at the university training under the strength coach. You know, I've had, I've been at places in the past, Santa Clara, for example, when I was an intern there way back when we had maybe five or six teams that trained with us, the strength and addition department, but all the other teams contracted out their own strength coach. So I remember we would always be in the weight room and there'd be like some random guy in there, like training the tennis team. So when I got here at Regis, first thing I want to do is make sure I got all 12 score programs under our umbrella, make sure we're taking care of our, our athletes and our sport programs and our head coaches, um, sitting down with our GAs, kind of just telling them, Hey, this is what the priority needs to be. Let's figure it out. So sit down with all the head coaches, first and foremost, kind of gauge what they've done in the past. I think that's also something you have to take into consideration when starting a new place. Uh, Cause you don't want to just flip everything up on its head <clears throat> right away. Cause that kind of scares coaches away sometimes because they're, they're creatures of habit and, you know, if, if you step in and they've been doing something for the last three, four or five years, uh, you might hit some roadblocks there. So it's good to throw in your view and what you want to do, but also make sure that you're still listening to how they used to do things and try to be accommodating at least for the first like year or so before you really try to like take it fully, completely over. Uh, but so yeah, get all the head coaches involved, make sure we're training all the athletes. And that's like step one, uh, step two, it was really we had to change the culture after I sat down with all the coaches. One thing I realized was the athletes themselves never really had structured training. Like I was saying before, they never really had like a dedicated full-time strength coach. But apart from that, the stuff they were getting, it was good, but it was very limited because the person that was running it was, you know, part-time or, you know, here one or two times a week or just sending them a packet for the, for the off season. They just do it themselves. Right. So having to change the perception of like the culture of the weight room, because, you know, you get a lot of people that have been here, think seniors, they've been here for four years, maybe never had to lift the weight. And all of a sudden senior year, you're asking them to lift four or five days a week in the off season. That's like a whole big change that maybe they don't want to do, you know? So you have to change the culture. And the best way to do that for us was to basically like redo the whole weight room. You know, I was really fortunate when I first got here, I had my my uh, athletic department was really supportive of changing the culture. And that's why they wanted to bring me in and, and make all these changes. And financially they helped me out initially. And we were able to buy some new things, some essentials really, right? Like when I first walked in here, we have a great, a great weight room. It's a good size space, but it didn't have like really all the bells and whistles or really the bare minimum of equipment like bands. So getting all that stuff in here, just making some slight changes to the weight room, having athletes walk in here and be like, wow, like this is really different. And that is just small little things that make them want to be here. And I think that's the biggest thing is create a space that athletes feel comfortable and they want to be in. Once they like being there, then you as a coach can really help them. 
because they're going to be, they're going to trust you, right? You got to build the trust first, uh, make sure that they like what they're doing. They understand why they're doing something, uh, educate them. And what's the old saying, uh, Kevin Costner was, if you build it, they will come. That's kind of my view with running a department. I feel like if you really put the time and effort into caring about the department, everybody's going to notice it. And then everyone's going to buy in. And that's kind of where we're at right now. What, four or five months in. That's interesting. And what stood out to you about Regis? Because I know you, I mean, you've been a lot of different places and and your experience, you know, spans over high school to D1 and everything in between essentially. And you were running a, uh, you know, a red line athletics, you had your own business. What was it that pulled you back into the collegiate realm? Yeah. So, so when I first left the collegiate sector, what about three years ago, um, really what it, what it was, uh, I love college. I always wanted to be in the college sector, but I got married. And when you get married, you start to think about, you know, the bigger picture, you know, just how are you living life and how do you want your life to be? And, you know, you, you've, you've been there, you've been an intern, a GA, all these things, and you know, you know, the hustle, right. And I just got to the point where I felt like it was going to be really difficult for me to live the life I wanted to live at that moment while also providing the, the life's uh, the work that I love. Right. So I thought about it and I was in the private sector initially that my first ever like internships were private sector. And I had good experience with them. And that's what opened my eyes to this industry and made me want to do this. So I was like, well, I've been in college for a few years now. Uh, I really love it. Let me just go try out the private sector and let me relocate. So me and my wife relocated from the Bay area, uh, and just came out here to Colorado. We loved it. So we just said, screw it. Let's just buy a house. We bought a house here, set down roots. And then I went into the private private sector at Redline and I was running their facility. And I did that for about a year, a little over a year. And then, you know, my dad is a big influence on me in my life, you know, the way he lived his life and what he did. And he's always run his own business. And he used to always tell me, he'd be like, man, why do you make money for other people? Right. So then I was like, you know what? I have been learning how to run this private facility. I was like, maybe I can, maybe I should try it. So then I branched out and I started my own business SB performance lab. And I still do that to this day. Um, but then I was doing that for like about a year. And then I randomly got an email from, from Regis. Actually, I had applied for this job a while ago, like a good amount of time. And I never heard back. And then I randomly just randomly just got an email at like 11 PM one night saying, Hey, will you come in for an interview in like two days? So I was like, yeah, you know, I've been meaning to get back into college. I just didn't really know what the best time was. You know, we just set down roots here. So I wasn't looking for anything out of the state. Uh, and, you know, as college strength coaches, you know, they're very few and far between. They're hard to get. And I didn't really have any contacts in Colorado yet because we moved here, COVID hit and we were shut down. So when Reed just called, I was really excited, A, because it was a head opportunity. And at this point in my career, I felt like that's kind of where I wanted to go was kind of run my own college department. Um, And they were also really excited about me running my own business outside and keeping that going. So it was really a perfect opportunity for me in that sense, because the admin wanted me here. They wanted to, you know, grow this department. And then they also wanted me to continue doing what I was doing on the outside. They, there was no conflicts with that. So for me, it was a perfect opportunity. Um, I do envision myself now that I'm back in college, I'm realizing that, you know, I did miss it. And, I, and you know, my 
that fire is still burning for me for the college sector. And I envision myself staying in college for the foreseeable future and just doing my, my business on the side. No, that's a, that's a good, uh, great story. And what and COVID has forced a lot of coaches to pivot and it either change locations like I did or change just getting out of the profession in general or going into the private sector or starting their own business. What's one thing, because you said your dad was a big influence in you know, why make money for someone else. What would you say is one piece of advice you'd give to a strength coach that's looking to start their own side hustle, which I think is an important thing uh, in today's sports performance profession. Cause quite honestly, like we're not, there's the outliers that make like power five head football coach money. And that outside of that, like it's pretty, you know, I'd say that the salary is about average for the rest of the country. So, you know, side hustles, if you want to help out your a family or help out yourself is a necessity almost. So what would you say is one piece of advice on the business side of things you'd give to strength coaches? I think like, like you said, it's, it's essential to take care of yourself first and foremost. And I think as a young strength coach, you know, you and I have been there, you put all of your focus, you towards your internships, right. And learning, you do everything. You're there 24, seven, 60 plus hours a week, and you're just hustling. And I get it. I learned a ton doing that way. But for me, the older I got there, I realized, you know, I was hurting myself by doing, doing that much time. A, I was bringing myself out. You know, I couldn't focus as much on my studies because you're just grinding 24 seven. Right. So I think you need to step back first and foremost, and you have to prioritize. You have to make sure that this is important. You love this but you don't let it burn you out early. I think that's the biggest thing is you get guys that go through two years of internships in college. And then by the time they are ready to graduate and go get a job, they're, they're beat. So I think that's really important as a young strength coach is to manage your time first and foremost. And then secondly, like you're saying, you have to create a secondary source of income. Uh, it, I love what I do, right? The reason I did this, this is my second career. I started as a graphic designer first. I went through all of undergrad and it wasn't until my last semester of undergrad that I was in my very first strength conditioning internship. And I realized I was doing the wrong thing. I was, I was doing athletic training at the time because I just wanted to be in sports, you know, just had to be in sports. I didn't know anything else. I never even knew strength conditioning existed. never even heard the words. I'm in my last internship with uh, turn pro sports, which at the time, well, they still are, but at the time they were the head athletic trainer and head strength coach of the Oakland Raiders. So they kind of opened their own place and I was kind of working with them. And I was sitting down with uh, their head strength coach and it was like my exit interview. And he's like, Hey Spence, like, just tell me, like, let's just shoot, shoot the shoot the shit. And he's like, what do you want to, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, you know, I want to, I want to help, help athletes like be better at their sport. You know, I want to help them be faster. I'm just like naming all this strength conditioning stuff that I didn't know was strength conditioning just as an athlete. Right. And he's like, he's like, why are you, why are you, why are you here doing athletic training? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, sounds like you want to be a strength conditioning coach. And I literally said to him across from the desk, I was like, what is that? And he literally grabbed the CSCS book and put it on the table. And he's like, you want to read this and you want to go get this test as soon as possible. <clears throat> so I finished my, my undergrad like that month, immediately went, got sat for that test since I was already like fresh out of school and got it done. And then I moved to LA and I did this internship with uh, 
with a velocity. And that's really where it opened my eyes to being like, okay, wow, we're doing something here. I, I love doing this. Like, this is fun. And then we end up in the situation where you realize fun doesn't always pay, you know, fun doesn't always pay and doesn't always pay your bills. So you, you, you struggle for a few years, you're just hustling, you're grinding, you're doing what you can work in multiple jobs. And then it wasn't until I got to Colorado that I realized, you know what, <clears throat> can't live like this. You gotta, gotta have something else. So luckily I had support of my wife and i knowing, knowing I was leaving a job to just go out and do something on my own. You know, it was scary at first, but luckily uh, I was smart about it. And I made sure I had some contacts outside of the world, you know, high school coaches, stuff like that. And as soon as I quit that job, I already had a few things lined up and I kind of just jumped right in. It was actually a really relatively busy first, like five months for me when I opened the business. So that, but that was, that was good. But I think it is essential at some point, whether it's early in your career or in the middle or later, at some point as a strength coach, like you said, unless you're that number, that, you know, 2% of the nation making that hundred hundred plus thousand dollar a year football job, you're not making that much money. So if you really want to love this and do this forever, you're going to have to find something to do to help supplement. So that's kind of like where, where I'm at. And I think it has been really beneficial. I recommend every coach kind of look into that. You know, there's, there's, there's a sport coaches at Regis that ask me all the time, if I'll be their personal trainer. That's like another, that's another, another avenue that young strength coaches can take. I did this at, at, at some other places I've been, where you just go upstairs and you get the admin and you're like, Hey, you want to do like a one month training workout? It's a hundred bucks, you know? And you just get like, you get like the sports info guy to come down and like lift you for two weeks or whatever. And you get a, you get experience and you're starting to, to learn how to like sell yourself and market yourself. And then if you ever want to do something more, more substantial, more serious, you've already at least had some general experience with that. So there's ways to make money, even if you're an intern or, or GA, you know, you can, you can find the way, you just gotta be creative. We'll be right back. Woodway is a company that has been designing and building treadmills and equipment for the long run since 1974. Each of their treadmills is designed with the revolutionary slap belt running surface, which is both lightweight and durable. It is specifically designed to absorb energy at the point of impact, eliminating harmful shock to joints and connective tissues. 100% of the NFL, NBA, and MLB teams and 60% of NHL teams utilize Woodway products to optimize their training. Woodway's curved treadmill was released in 2009 and boasts a completely self-powered manual training experience that does not require any electricity. This unique piece of equipment allows athletes to run at any pace they choose and burn up to 30% more calories than the regular treadmill. Other unique offerings from Woodway include the Curve Trainer, Curve XL, Forefront, and Pro Treadmills. Each treadmill offers features that are fit for every athlete. The silent and energy efficient product from Woodway has resulted in 50% electricity savings for owners. If you're looking for equipment that is built to last and will improve, and provide each of your athletes an experience like no other, check out Woodway today at woodway.com. Definitely. I think that's, that's some great, great advice. And I just talking with my intern, like with that today, it's just like, Hey, you know, don't fool yourself. Like the, the elite coaches that are making a quarter million a year, and up they're outliers. And I was like, there's more 
especially when you're in the difficult spot and working your way up and putting in all that, when you're putting in all that work, it's tough. And you have to, I got, for me, I was a personal trainer when I was a GA or volunteering my way up. I just, I found a way to make money and make it work. Cause like you said, if, if you love it, you can find a way to supplement it until it's your main source of income. Now you have a career that spanned private sector D1, D2 and high school. What's, what's, what's it like nowadays being able to like, what, what did you say was the big difference in each level? Or, you know, if there's a coach out there that's struggling to figure out, you know, where, what level they want to go to or what level they think they want to go to, what's, what's some advice you'd give to those coaches trying to figure out their level? That's a good, that's a great question. Uh, in my opinion, I think every strength coach at some point or another should be exposed to training every level of athlete, right? If your whole thing is, I'm just going to be like a celebrity trainer or a pro athlete trainer or just an NFL guy, I think you're really limiting your ability as a coach because I think there's so many nuances to training like a 12 year old versus an elite 23, 25, or even 30 year old male, female athlete. Right. So I think learning those nuances only makes you a better, well-rounded coach to help those people at those next levels in ways that you maybe you would have never thought of because you weren't exposed to that type of movement pattern or something like that, you know? So I think every coach should be exposed to every level at some point, uh, whether that's just volunteering or, or just going and talking shop with coaches in those areas and just hearing what it's like, you have to expose yourself to that. Um, as far as, as far as, uh, wanting to go into the other levels and the differences, I think the major differences are, you're, you have to realize you're, you're training young, young athletes and young kids, right? The way you can communicate and motivate, say like a 22 year old football player is going to be sometimes a lot different than how you would approach a nine, 10, 11 year old. Uh, and at the end of the day, your goal is still the same, right? You're still trying to make them better. You're still trying to improve their performance in some, in some way, whatever that looks like for that athlete. But I think, you need to, um, sorry, I've lost my train of thought there. Uh, I'm trying to pull it back here. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, getting training multiple levels. I think if you're looking to go into it, I think you have to be ready for change. Biggest thing. Cause if you're going from like, say like interning, your first thing is interning at like a D one college. And then you're like, all right, I'm going to go into the private sector now. Cause I want a job. <laughs> the biggest difference in my opinion is you put so much effort into a program for your collegiate teams, right? Like you have four or five, six teams and you're doing year long training programs down to, you know, every week. Whereas private sector is a little bit different. You know, you're a, you're trying to sell, which you don't have to do at the college sector. Right. And then B you have to get the kids to come even after you sell them on this two, three, four, five day a week program for, let's say a month or whatever it is, they still have to then get there which is hard. You know, at the college sector, even if kids don't want to do it, they have the head coach saying, this is required for being a part of this team. You go every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 10 AM and you lift. Right. Whereas that doesn't exist in the private sector, private sector, you do all this hard work to sell. You create this beautiful, amazing plan for this athlete that's catered to their specific needs. And then, you know, they have soccer practice. They can't come that week or, you know, mom and dad had to work late 
So they couldn't get in here this week. And next thing you know, that awesome plan you had, that's only supposed to last a month is like a four month plan, right? So you have to really learn to communicate effectively with parents and athletes to get them to buy in so that they take it serious. Because the last thing you want to do when you're working with young athletes is sell them on something, start something and not finish it. You know, I feel like that's the worst because that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help you because they probably don't come back for you to work with you. And then uh, you don't get, you don't know if your program worked because you never saw it through. So I think that's the biggest difference is you have like something super structured from the professional or collegiate side versus something super unstructured from like the private sector. And I'm sure you probably experienced some of that when you were a personal trainer. It's probably mm-hmm. very similar. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And you touched on a, a, a lot of good points, but there, but the big thing is, and, you know, communication and then being, being able to be exposed to multiple different levels and learn what it's like to change and, 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 accommodate all those different experiences. Now you are the head strength coach there and what is the communication style or what it's your goal on how you go about managing both your staff? Cause you do have a staff there and then also communications with administrators and head coaches, you know, more along the lines for, you know, whether you're a GA or an intern or a younger assistant coach trying to figure out if the head strength coach has what you want, you want to wear, what's some advice or what are your ways you go about things being the head strength coach of a staff and dealing with administration and head coaches? It's a really good question. I think First and foremost, if you're going to take over a department, I think the first thing you need to do, and this is what I did, and this is what a mentor of mine uh, told, told me to do, was you need to jump on the phone with as many people that you know and you trust as possible that have ran departments. You need to hear what their experience was like at that school, what it was like at a different type of school, if they were at another location or or it was, what was it like? Yeah, I think you just need to get some experience, right? Because you you obviously see the head strength coaches do that sometimes, but a lot of the times that's behind closed doors. You know, the the GAs or the assistants are usually just in the weight room all, all the time and constantly just just training, right? Coaching. So uh, I think the biggest thing is you need to set yourself up for success by reaching out to people that have done it and have succeeded. Listen to them, listen to their advice, and then take take what you think could fit what you want to do with your current situation. Because not every situation is the same, right? Sometimes you might be walking in to, you can walk into like a, a power five as a head for the first time and, and everything's a well-oiled machine, right? Like everyone knows what you're doing. Uh, every department is perfectly structured. You know, it, it's, it's easy. Whereas you can go to another place where, you know, they don't have no staff, you might be the only person, you know, I'm pretty fortunate to have GAs. There's, there's plenty of coaches out there that are running departments with just themselves. And that's really difficult. So you need to talk to coaches that have done it different ways to prepare yourself for whatever is coming, because you really don't know, you know, you step in, you have all these grand ideas, but then, then, you know, admins got a perception on, on how things look. You got a perception on how things look. You have assistants and GAs, and then you have the athletes that also look at it. So you really have to kind of, to come in and that's what i was saying earlier you have to create that environment first i think if you build that environment then everybody kind of sees that it's working you know and then everyone kind of just buys in then you get the buy-in from the coaches you get the buy-in from the 
the athletic uh, department, you get the buy-in from the athletes, your own staff. I think that's the biggest thing. Definitely. That's, uh, yeah, that, that's great. And then it's always good to find those other coaches and just find out what they did. And like you said, even though it's a dip, might be a different experience, there should be some part of their experience that you can help translate to what you're doing now. Something I think, I think there's, plenty of coaches out there. My favorite thing to do is to just jump on calls and talk shop with coaches. And sometimes you don't even talk about training. Maybe you just talk about life as a coach, right? And, and those are good things to learn. And every young, every young training coach should be doing those things. But I do think that when you do try to build something, I think the best thing you can do is just be yourself, be authentic and think people are going to gravitate towards authenticity. I think. So if you're, if you're really putting an effort in and you're working hard for these athletes, the athletes are going to notice it. The coaches are going to notice it. Admin's going to notice it. And then you're going to, you're at the end of the day, you're going to be better off. Right. Cause then when you go to ask for, for support, you know, whether it's financially or, or time, whatever it is, they're going to be more likely to give it to you because they see you working. They see things that you're bringing to the table to help their, their, their team and their programs and their departments. So I think that's the biggest thing. You can't just jump right in and have like all these like huge grand plans, like day one. So you just got to kind of like go in there, work hard, set some, some, some essential ground, ground rules, like things you want to do, but don't try to like reinvent the wheel in the first, the first semester. I think that's really important. Join the thousands of coaches across the world that are part of Team Builder Nation. The incredible online strength and conditioning software provides a toolbox for features for all coaches at all levels. One awesome feature is the 1RM Max Tracker. Team Builder makes tracking maxes easy for any method since you can record and store max data, project 1RM over time, and use the stored maxes to determine prescribed weights for an exercise and have access to the visual reports so you can see the maxes over time. Other features include an updated messaging platform and the ability to create sports science questionnaires for athletes or clients to answer on their own phones. That's right, that's sports science data in the palm of your hand. Start your free 14-day trial today by using the promo code CHALK, that's promo code C-H-A-L-K, and begin programming with the software built to fit any level strength coach in any setting. Team Builder prides itself on putting the customer first and offers affordable pricing with subscription plans starting at just $50 a month. For more information on everything that Team Builder has to offer or schedule a 30-minute demo with Team Builder Expert, visit teambuilder.com and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.